0: Okay, so um, we are we are in First Peter, First Peter chapter one, and uh, we are we are reading from. Uh, we we already finished verses, well, we finished verse one and most of verse two. But let me start reading again at verse one. So First Peter chapter one, and before I do that, let me just re- re- uh, 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 remind you what I said last week that there are five epistles that were written specifically to jewish believers believers who believe that jesus was the messiah and those are hebrews um uh, james first and second peter and jude and we're going to be covering first and second peter and jude the first three of those were to deal with the sufferings to encourage people in the uh, uh, as they're going through these this time of suffering uh uh and and then the last two second peter and jude were specifically to deal with false doctrine that's what the Jewish believers at the time were dealing with, they were dealing with persecution and false doctrine. And so, so these, these epistles address that. And, and uh, uh, Peter is writing this from Babylon. So he's outside the land, writing to others who are outside the land and five, he mentions them in verse one, five different Roman provinces that are, are Greek speaking Roman provinces. And, and uh, uh, he's, he's dealing with each of these. So let's, Look at verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls." Uh, if we, we covered verse 1 and most of verse 2, but the end of verse 2 says, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And, and uh, this, this grace, this is a, a typical uh, a type of greeting in Greece, uh, uh, in, in, in Greek-speaking uh, 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 environments. And so he says, May grace. And then he says, And peace be yours. So that's the, the Jewish type greeting. This typical greeting that that Jesus even gave when he would when he rose from the dead and met his disciples, this peace be unto you, uh, uh, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So, this is not just something perfunctory. He is saying, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. He means something by this. This is actually conferring upon them grace and peace. And and I will often do this. I'll often. Say to people, God bless you. And I'm not, I'm not saying this at all to to uh, uh, just just occupy words. When I say that, I really mean it. I want God to bless that person. And uh, 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 and and you see that this is what Peter is doing. He is he is saying, "Be this upon you. Be it conferred to you." And we as believers have this opportunity to speak these sorts of blessings upon people and it really means something. So so when we say, God bless you, when we say, God, peace be upon you, or peace be upon this home, it means something, and it's conferring something upon other people. So our words have power. Just remember that our words have power. Shireen always reminds uh, uh, my family of that, and uh, and especially my children. When they start saying negative things, she'll say, remember, your words have power. What you say you 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 may be conferring upon yourself. So don't don't speak poorly of yourself. Don't put yourself down. Uh, um, so she encourages us that that we are more than conquerors in Christ. To speak that which is positive, that which is good, because these are these are words that confer things upon us. So if we're always going around saying, "Oh, I'm no good. I'm not bad. I'm not this and that," we we may be bringing these things down upon ourselves. So. So, so to, to take these words and to speak positively is much better. Verse three Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is, uh, um, this is a typical jewish expression so if you hear orthodox jews speaking even to this day if they say the lord did this the lord did that they will say blessed be he blessed be he blessed be he they will always when they when they say something about the lord they will follow it up with blessed be he and 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 uh you see the same sort of thing blessed be so this is a this is something that, that that's that's really Uh, said about god even to this day among orthodox jews remember he's speaking to a jewish audience here who believes that jesus is the messiah and he says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ because because uh uh, when jesus was on earth god was indeed his father but there was this this jesus on earth god relationship and when Jesus is in heaven, there's this clear, it's Jesus father relationship. And Jesus spoke about this when he was on earth. He, obviously, the way he addressed God is he said, father. Uh, but you see that, that there are these, these, these relationships that, that Jesus has with his father, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. And this is actually a very good translation, has caused us to be. Uh, some, some older translations would say begat, but it really must really has the sense he has caused us to be born again. So again, this idea that, that, that somehow, you know, I came to this great, great uh, understanding and I reached out and took hold of God. Um, we can really think that, but, but really what it is, is the, the entire mass of humanity. There is none worthy, no, not one, the scripture saying. We looked at those verses last time from Romans chapter three. There's none he says it over and over again. The entire mass of humanity is going to hell. And God reaches in and he pulls some out by an act of mercy. And he says, he has caused us to be born again. You say, well, I willed it so. You only willed it so because God worked in your life to will it so. In other words, he, he, he comes in and he modifies our will to be in response to his will at the hour that he, he calls us. That's what happens. If it were up to us alone, there is no way we would choose to follow him. We are, we are uh, always inclined to do evil and disinclined to do good. This is what the scriptures tell us. We are disinclined to good, disinclined to, doing, to, to making the right decisions. And God in His mercy, in his mercy gets a hold of our will and makes it in conformity in, in conformity to His will, and He says it, it, it is He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, to, for God to do a resurrection is no problem. There are several examples of this in the Bible. In fact, on the on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, one of the things that that happened was that. Um, uh, one of the things that happened on, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead is that is that he was able to to uh, uh, there were many it says the graves broke open and many ended up coming to to and and, uh, and and many of the saints actually ended up coming alive again so you see this sort of thing that that. Um, he was able to do this sort of thing that, that many people even came alive that day you see resurrections in in the old testament where there's a prophet and someone's thrown in the grave and pops back alive when his body gets to that 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 prophet's life so that's not the biggest thing i mean but the resurrection of jesus christ was utterly amazing because what he did in that act is he conquered all of he conquered death he conquered death not just the death that Jesus had been exposed to, but he conquered death through that. That was the amazing thing, through that. And it says, it says here that, um, uh, uh, that this is be born again to a living hope. This is for something right now. This is not something for the past. People who just live in the past and think that, oh, that resurrection was for something in the past, not for right now. They're totally wrong on this. This is for right now. This is a living hope. What we have, The truth that we have in Jesus Christ is extraordinary. And when we take hold of that, it affects our life today. If we don't believe it, it, what happens is we miss out on this. And we're going to see more of this, how much this relates to our faith. This is a living hope that we have in Christ. This living hope that we have in Christ. It's utterly amazing what we have in Christ. It is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, Because he rose from the dead. We have a living hope. This is alive, And this impacts our life today. If we go around thinking, well, that was something in the past that has nothing to do with me. Like actually most believers even go around thinking that. They, they, most believers never even take hold of the truth that this is a living hope. It is alive for de- today. And it's happened because Jesus rose from the dead. We will forever be thanking Jesus for his resurrection from the dead. For for his death on the cross, for his carrying our sins and his rising from the dead. I mean, this is something that has opened up enormous things for us. If we take hold of this, it affects our lives. It affects our careers. You learn to pray about your career. You learn to pray that, Lord, make me successful. Lord, uh, uh, do these great things in my life. These are things that happen in our lives when we take hold of it. If you want to walk around saying, well, you know, this doesn't really affect me. You know what's going to happen? it's not really going to affect you. A lot of this comes by faith, which we are about to see. So he says, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain, verse four, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. We are to obtain an inheritance. So what he's doing is is, is uh, uh, this What what he's telling us here is we see in verses in chapter one verses three to twelve he's he's talking about the characteristics of of uh, the believer's salvation. What's the characteristics of these salvation of this salvation? Verses one through five he's speaking about the future. He starts with the future, then he's going to talk about the present, then he's going to talk about the past as as he deals in these in these verses three through twelve, and and uh, so right now he's talking about the future aspects. He says uh um, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable uh it's imperishable it's undefiled it will not fade away reserved in heaven for you and i'll tell you the older you get the more you look at things and you see how perishable they are when your your body is no longer as strong as it used to be can no longer do the things that it used to do when your eyes don't see the same way they used to see or your ears don't hear the same way they used to hear you will see that 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 Things are certainly perishable, but he, he tells us that these things are imperishable. And in in the gospel according to John, verses chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, John fourteen one through 3, Jesus gets at this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is a promise of Jesus Christ. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. In the future, you've got something beautiful waiting for you. In my father's house are many dwelling places. So within the house of Jesus, within his father's house, there are many dwelling places that, that uh, he says, I got so many places where you could be living. And he says, there are many dwelling places. And he says, uh, 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 if it were not so, I would have told you. He says, look, I'm telling you this because it is true. If it were different, I would have told you something different. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is telling us this. He says, for I go to prepare a place for you. Why did Jesus go back up to heaven? Well, one of the reasons was to prepare a place for us. We said, well, to sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yes, for that. But also Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I have total confidence that Jesus is going to take care of the place for me. And it's going to be a place that he has designed specifically for me. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Jesus is going to come again and to receive us. He is going to do it. He told us so. That where I am, there you may be also. Where Jesus is, I want to be. Where Jesus is, I want to be. And he's going to receive me. So I know that when when it's time for me to lay down my head in this life, there may be angels there, but it's going to be Jesus as well. Because Jesus said, I'm going to receive you. I I will come again and receive you. Jesus himself will come again and receive me. I have total confidence in this because Jesus said so. He said, "I will receive you." He didn't just say angels are going to receive you. My Jesus will receive me. My Jesus will receive you if you be in Christ. Jesus will be the one receiving you. That's what He's going to do. That's what the Scriptures tell us. He's going to be the one receiving us. And so when when Peter when Peter gets at this, uh, and and he says in 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 chapter one verse four, and he talks about the, this. Uh, um, He says, it's undefiled. It's not going to fade away. He says, it's reserved in heaven for you. You know, it's here. It's reserved in heaven for you. Then he goes into verse five. He says, who are protected, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are protected. This word protected from what I understand of, of preparing for this. He says, who are protected by the power of God. This is a military protection. It is like having a military protection. Who are protected by the power of God. We are protected by the power of God. Do believers die? Believers die all the time. But we're protected by the power of God. We will not go before it's our time for us to go. We are protected by the power of God through faith. We are protected by the power of God through Faith. Through faith, we are protected by the power of God. For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, there is so much that revolves around faith, that revolves around believing it. I'm telling you, you need to take hold of what Jesus said and believe it. Take hold of these words and believe it. You know, I was I was just reading in my own time in in Hebrews chapter eleven this week, and and uh, you know, as as I prepare for these teachings on Sundays it's constantly on my mind so that as i'm reading other texts i'm thinking wow this really applies and so i was reading in hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 which is the the chapter on on the people of faith and it says hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 by faith by faith abel offered to god a better sacrifice than cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous god testifying about his gifts and through faith though he is dead he still speaks so people will say that 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 uh uh, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain because Abel's was was of the flock where cain's was of of the fruit just, just uh, of the fruit of the ground or or that cain that, that Abel's was of the first fruits of the flock that Cain may not have been, but what it says here specifically all of that all of that is conjecture, but what it says here specifically is by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain because there 's lots of examples. In the Old Testament of people offering up the fruits of the ground that were not actually, uh, uh, um, that were not actually animals themselves. That was part of the offerings that, that, the, that the Israelites had to offer up. But it says by faith. It was faith that made Abel's offering uh, uh, better than Cain's. It was faith. When a believer has faith, it is better. It is better. It is more favorable in God's eyes when we walk in faith. When we believe that Jesus is going to do what he says that he's going to do. Jesus has said something. He said, he said to to the to the uh the Pharisees who were coming against him, Jesus said to them, uh, you know, you search the scriptures, because in them you think that you have life. He says, But you come to me and he, he says, and, and you but you don't come to me. He says, Moses, Moses is gonna be the one condemning you. He says because if you had believed his teachings if you had believed Moses's teachings you would believe me because Moses wrote about me Moses wrote about me and in the first century when Jesus lived their Tanakh of the writings of Moses are exactly what we have today on the writings of Moses no different some people will say oh the writings of Moses those weren't written by a man those were written by a committee and uh uh, uh, you, you know, those have been changed all through the years, and 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 uh, those were changed by the, the by the rabbis back after the the back around the time of the the Babylonian dispersion. How could it be? How could it be? We have the testimony of Jesus in the first century, and we have documents from the first century that we know that their Tanakh, their Old Testament, was exactly the same as our Old Testament. And their writings of Moses, their first five books were exactly what we have. And Jesus, if, if, if the scriptures had somehow been changed, if the scriptures had somehow, if those had been written by some committee of rabbis uh, in around the time of the Babylonian dispersion, Jesus would have told us. Jesus in the first century substantiated for us the reality of the scriptures that we have. He says, those testify of me the writings of Moses testify of me you can take hold of it and believe it every word is going to come to pass when Jesus said I'm going to come again he's going to come again a lot happens based on faith if we do not walk in faith we miss out we're going to see this concept again and again this concept it's going to be it's going to be determined so much of this by do we take hold of it in faith this determines so much what happens in our lives do we walk in this by faith, this is what's, what, what, what uh, is presented to us. Do we walk in this by faith? Do we hold on to this by faith? He says, in, so that's in verse five, who are protected by the power of God through faith. Our protection, this military protection comes so much when we are surrounded by faith. Whenever my kids would leave the house, I would say, just let me pray. I would pray God's protection upon them. And then, then I commit them to the Lord things happen. Things happen to believers. But when I pray, when I pray for God's protection to be upon my children, when I pray like this, they're in God's hands. God may have some other purpose for them, but I pray God's protection to be upon them because I believe it. He says, these things come through faith. I commit them into your hands. You know, when, you, when if you have little kids, when they start driving, you're going to be like, oh my goodness. I mean, uh, um, you know, you're not just driving around some, some ranch someplace. You're driving on, on, on these, these 12 lane highways in Houston where nobody does the speed limit. If you do the speed limit, you're going to get run over. And, and, uh, and, and you think this is my child is going to be driving down these highways. And, uh, you know, it's going to make you long for the day when they'll have autonomous cars and, and your children don't have to drive it anymore. Uh, but, but you learn to commit your children's lives to the Lord, Lord, I commit them to you, and you walk by faith, I commit them to you lord and 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 this this whole protection that comes in verse six in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. he says in this you greatly rejoice he says you can you can greatly rejoice in what you have to look forward to, you can greatly rejoice in what you have to look forward to in this uh, um, uh, because there is this salvation that awaits you, it's stored in heaven, and in this you greatly rejoice. Re- rejoice in it now. You can greatly rejoice in this, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Even though he, he says, even though now for a little while. So, so when when he, he does this, he says, even though now, what you're going through right now. Remember this epistle. This is like like Hebrews. James and First Peter; these were all written to deal with the, the 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 sufferings, with the persecutions that these believers were going through. And he says, even now, for a little while, this is what we. This is the beautiful thing to hold on to. The beautiful thing about this is that in this, all trials that we go through, all of these various trials, are always temporary. They are always temporary. They are never forever. And you say, well, some people die in their trials. Yeah. And it's temporary because there's an eternity when you will be with a place stored up for you in heaven. For the believer, whatever we go through, just remember, it is always temporary. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, if necessary. God gives us what we need. We go through trials as necessary. He knows what we need for our lives. And we go through trials as necessary for our lives. I trust him. I trust him. You know, I realize life can turn on a dime. I mean, you can be doing just fine. And the next minute, you're not. I trust him. I trust him. He says, for a little while, if necessary. As it's necessary, he does it, in, he allows trials in our lives. As necessary, he does it. I trust my Lord. I trust him. As, as Jesus said in John chapter eight, concerning his father, I, I know who sent me and I know that he is trustworthy. I trust him. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Not just one trial, various, various trials. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things that come upon us in life. This is part of Christian life. You say, "Well, where is God in all of this?" Uh, like the same place He was when His Son was on the cross. I mean, this is this is exactly where He was. He was in heaven, and He was allowing these things to take place for a purpose. These things come upon our life, and they come upon our life. And where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in this? He's exactly where He's supposed to be. <laughs> he's in heaven, and these things are coming upon our lives, and. Uh, uh, He's doing things in our lives through this, as we go through various trials. Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, so that the proof of your faith, this is to prove your faith. Our faith is proved. Our faith is proven through our suffering. Our faith is proven through our persecutions. Our faith is proven through this. This is some of the things that come upon us. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 3 and 4. God allowed false prophets to come into Israel. Why? Why would he do that? Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 3. And you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him and cling to him. God allowed false prophets to come in and he says, don't follow them. He says, I'm doing this. I'm testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And you say, well, you, you, you know, these kids go to college. These young people go to college and there's these, these professors that belittle their faith. There's professors that, that, that uh, will, will attack things. And well, who knows? Maybe God's allowing that to see, do you really love him? Are you going to fall away from the traditions that have led your family Just because some professor whose life is an absolute mess. I'm telling you, most of these professors that come out and start saying negative things about Jesus Christ and his life and his teachings are themselves have terrible lives that you would never want. Find out something about their lives. Find out how many spouses they've gone through, how many broken children. Find out if their children even really love them anymore. If you look at their lives, you'd be like, why would I want to be like you? I mean, I'm telling you what we have in Christ is so good, so precious. And, and uh, I, I see this all the time. These super smart, smart people, super intelligent people who know so much in their field of, of, of science and, 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 and research and, and uh, uh, history and all of these things. Their lives are an utter mess. And their children don't even like that. And then they're coming in the classroom trying to get you to follow in the pattern of their life. It's gross. It's disgusting. Just remember the treasures that we have in Christ, the truth that we have in Christ. When Jesus teaches us how to walk, how to teach our children, how to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. I'm telling you, this stuff works. This stuff is real. It is so good. His life is so good, so precious. His teachings are good and precious. And these people come and they throw things in our lives. And young people are just, you know, they'll throw away everything and start following this guy or following this woman. I'm like, why would you do that? Look at their lives. Ask them. Just just say, just even ask them, do your children, do you get along with your children? Do you get along with your grown children? I'm just wondering. Just just wondering, how, how well do you get along with them? What kind of relationship do you have with them? Usually they have a terrible relationship. It doesn't work. The stuff that they're propagating just absolutely does not work. And he allows this thing to come into our lives, to hit us, to see if we really love him. He's testing our faith. Our faith is going to be tested. We say we love him. He's going to test that. Okay, do you really love me? Do you really love me? We're going to, we're going to test this thing. And, uh, and you say, well, why would God do that? Because he's God. Because he has the best way. He knows what he's doing. You think you, you would run this, this, this universe better than him? I mean, in a nanosecond, it would implode if you were running the thing. And he says that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. Your faith is more precious than gold, he says, which is perishable. Look, you can take, you can take these gold coins that, that have, have become sunken treasures at the bottom of these oceans, and they pull them up after 400 years, and that gold is exactly looking like the same gold it was when that ship sunk. It doesn't rust at all because gold is an amazing material. Gold, there is no stable oxide on gold under atmospheric conditions. So so gold doesn't rust. That's the amazing thing about gold. Uh, uh, palladium will form an oxide. Platinum will form an oxide. And I'm, I'm talking within milliseconds, these things form oxides in air. Gold, there's no stable oxide. He So, so God knows what he's doing when he pulls out that particular element. He says, he says, uh, 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 being more precious than gold, which is perishable. So in God's eyes, gold is perishable. Uh, there's no stable oxide, but it's still not going to last. He's saying as long as, 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 as what you have can last. He says uh, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith is going to be tested by fire. And what it's going to do is it's going to cause you to praise Jesus Christ all the more. You're going to end up praising Jesus Christ all the more because of uh, when, when, when you see him, because of the testing of your faith. And then we're going to, in verse eight, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you have not seen him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. None of us have seen the risen Christ in his bodily form. We may have had a, a brief appearance or vision or something, but none of us. like he, And so these are second generation believers. They themselves had not seen Jesus. They themselves had not seen him with their own eyes. Peter had. Those who were in Jerusalem at the time of his resurrection, some, there were lots of believers that saw him, but these people had not. These people are like us, and though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Some people tell me if they, if I, they had the experience that I had when I first got saved, where where this sense that Jesus was in my room and it was just overwhelmed, that then they'd be all right, that they need something like this. I said, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You'd explain this thing away in a heartbeat. You, you, you know, you, you think if you just saw some miracle, then your faith would be strong. No, you know, it wouldn't. The Israelites saw many miracles and they ended up falling away from the faith over and over again. Miracles don't do it. Miracles don't do it for us. They are temporary in our lives. And especially with our scientific analytical minds, we'd explain the thing away. Well, you know, the light was coming in the room in this way. and You know, there was a a shadow and that's probably what I saw. You'd explain it away. Uh, Jesus said, those who don't see me love me all the more. He said to Thomas in in the end of John's gospel, he said to Thomas, he says, you see me and, and therefore you love me. Uh, he says, he says, blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. Blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. So we are more blessed for not seeing Jesus and yet believing. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you this day to come to him. Please send me an email to tour at drjamestour.org. Send me this email. We will get together. We'll get together by Zoom and I will share with you and I will share with you and you will get saved that very day. Uh, um, you reach out to me, you got to send me an email. So this invitation is for unbelievers only, for those who do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe, I don't meet with you like this. You just got to come to my church and we'll have lunch together or something on on a Sunday afternoon at my home or something. But but, uh, for unbelievers, I will get together with you one-on-one and I will share with you. And and, uh, now you you can't do this for other people. One guy wrote to me, he says, He says, uh, uh, call my Jewish wife and share with her. Here's her number. So (laughs) I'm not going to track her down like that. That never works. You got to bring her to the point where she is going to write to me on her own and ask for that meeting. And then I will gladly share that. That's the stipulation I put upon it because that causes them to reach out to me and then I will share with them. And it changes the whole tenor of the conversation I have with them. So the burden is upon them to request that. And I will gladly share with them. But if you don't know Christ, you can't take hold of anything that I'm sharing with you today. Any of this faith, it's beyond you because you don't yet know the Lord. I urge you this day to know God. I'm going to pray. And uh, you can even receive Christ right now as we pray. And, and, uh, um, and, and And then you gotta write to me and you gotta tell me. You have to send me an email to tour at drjamestour.org and tell me. But you get together with me. I would be glad to share with you one-on-one. And I'll get you in a Bible study and, and uh, uh, with people that they, they can share with you. I'll get you on a reading program that will keep you in the Word the rest of your life. The rest of your life. You get on this reading program with me. You, it's, you're just going to start with 15 minutes every morning. And you'll get on this and you stay on this the rest of your life, it will change everything for you because I'm telling you what we have is truth. It has been tested. It has been tried. And it is God of the universe has ordained this. So we know it works. This junk that you get from your professors or from other counselors about what you got to do. If it's not resonating with what Jesus Christ has put forth, it's not going to last. What we have is the best way, the most sure way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, for the truth of it. Lord, I pray your blessing, your blessing upon the believers who are hearing this word, that they would be drawn close to Jesus Christ, that they would walk in faith to believe the word of God so they need not be pushed around by every wind and wave of doctrine that might come their way. Father, I pray that you would build them up in truth, in truth, Lord God. Father, that they would take hold of your word and believe it and to say, he who has sent me is trustworthy. That they would trust you, Lord Jesus. They, they would trust your words that you were going to prepare a place for them. Lord, do that, I pray. And Father, I ask you, if there are unbelievers here, that this very day they would say, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Come into my life. I believe that Jesus is Lord, and I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. Lord, draw people to your son, I I pray. Save a soul today, I pray, for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.